0: Today's scripture reading is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends.
1: Thank you, Liz. Good evening. Yeah, my name's Dave. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and um, it's good to be with you. I've been gone on and off for a few weeks. I was gone for a couple weeks, then um, was back and then gone again. and uh, it's yeah, good to be back with you. and uh, uh, as as was said earlier, this is our last weekend at Mission. so we'll be over at Safford. Um, kind of wo- where it all began uh, so yeah next week we'll be back over there we'll be look, looking forward to seeing you there I'm actually officiating another wedding next Saturday and I was officiating wedding last Saturday so our church is is in a, a good and fun spot good fun season now we have some newly engaged folks as well so congratulations um, there's probably some people I didn't even know sometimes I find out people are <laughs> dating when I find out they're engaged and that's cool I don't I don't need to know it all um Well, my name's Dave. I think I said, um, if you're new or you've never heard me preach, I want to let you know I stutter. So if you're watching online, it's n- not your internet, your Wi-Fi. Um, it'll kind of come in and out as I go, and I just want to make sure that you know what that is. And um, go ahead and turn with me to John. We're in John chapter 15. As we continue walking through John, it's been a sweet season, and uh, I'm looking forward. Forward to to uh, just what the Lord continues to do in shaping us as we spend significant time in in uh, one of His books. So, uh, Pastor Keith did just a great job last week as he kind of turned us into this this uh, this aspect where we look at the significance and the importance of God the Holy Spirit. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and pray together as we get into our time in in John. And and actually, someone brought this up earlier next week we'll actually be handing out Bibles again. So that'll be nice. It'll be fun. So get ready. But if you haven't brought it uh, so far, you can have one next week and uh, you can keep one and then bring it. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, uh, your work. Thank you that we can gather right now together. Um, Lord, you, you do a, a miraculous work in often... Um, kind of seemingly insignificant ways. You shape us and grow us and form us individually and corporately as a people um, through often seemingly mundane um, works and efforts and uh, just kind of comings and goings. Lord, um, thank you for this last year at Mission Church. It is not one that any of us would have drawn up or chosen that we would be meeting on a Saturday evening And we went through seasons of cold and then uh, hot and then kind of back to somewhere in between. And um, Lord, there's been a lot that's gone on in this last year. And and while some of it hasn't been easy, uh, you remain faithful. So we pray that that by your faithfulness, you will continue to work and grow us by speaking to us through your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Have I ever, uh, ever told you about the time I threw baseballs at my son and uh, actually scratch that, I threw baseballs at my son and his friends and I couldn't stop, couldn't stop throwing baseballs at kids. Um, it's something I never thought I'd experienced, but I'd seen and heard about. You may have heard about it. It's something called the y- yips. Um If you Google, uh, don't do it right now, if you Google Charles Barkley's golf swing, you get a little glimpse at the yips, or there's all kinds of different ones. And and what the yips are, how many of you have heard of the yips? So I know what we're talking about here. It's where um, it happens in all kinds of different aspects of life. Sports, it could happen in drama or theater where you could say your lines in your sleep. But something happens when you're on the stage and you're doing what should be easy or normal. It happens in gymnastics, happens in basketball at the free throw line. And apparently it happens to uh, middle-aged dads who are uh, coaching coach pitch baseball, right? What should be just easy. You're down on on one knee between the mound and the home plate. Should be really simple. And I'm sitting there. And you don't even rear all the way back. You're down on one knee, you reach back, you throw the ball across the plate. Kids swing and, you know, swing around and spin around and fall down. And you're just like, all right, let's and then and this it's not about the coaches or dads, though parents often make it that way, right? But you're just sitting there. should be easy, mindless. Well, I had been working out in the sun all day, and I hit the first kid. And uh, I'm like, oh, OK, kind of move on, whatever. And then, of course, it's in my mind, like, don't hit this kid. So of course, what do I do? Hit the next kid and the next kid. And, it's, and then what started, I started noticing my wrist. I couldn't control my wrist. It's like every time um, I would turn this way, and it would go inevitably at the batter. And, again, and now I, I think every time I pitch to my son, I just hit him. So he knows. So I'm, I'm teaching him to hang in there, take it, and then just take foot first base. But it was terrible, and what happens? So you, this happens on a professional level. There are college c- catchers who will like do these crazy, funky m- motions to get the ball back to the pitcher. And these same catchers can throw on a dime and throw someone out right at second base. They pop up, rip off their mask right, chuck it down to second, throw someone out. But that easy motion of just throwing it back to the pitcher is too much. It's too simple. They've overcomplicated it. And so you, you can see, again, videos of people like going through this, these random motions. That's why, again, Charles Barkley's golf swing is ridiculous because he's overthought it so much that in order to hit the ball, he has to just do these crazy twitching motions. We do that with our faith our walk with Jesus. We overcomplicate what Jesus gave us to be simple. Following Jesus, he calls us to something simple. It's not easy, okay, don't hear me wrong, it is not easy. It's not simplistic, okay, it's not dumbed down, but it's simple. And what we see in this passage is that Jesus calls his people to simply abide, to simply obey, and to simply love. So let's kick it off together, opening up John chapter 15 in verse 1. We see this. Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am. This is the 7th and last of what have been known as the I am statements throughout John throughout this uh, c- gospel account. Jesus has said I am and then filled in something else and that is clearly a claim to being God. Jesus is using God's name. People would be offended uh, by, by it and Jesus says, "Well, it's true." Right? We saw a couple of weeks ago Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life." If it's true, then it would be unloving and unjust to say anything else. So Jesus is God, and he has been clearly asserting himself as God. And here he says, I am what? The true vine. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, this metaphor would be used often of of a vine and a vine dresser. And often God's people, the Israelites, are referred to as the vine. The unfruitful vine, the vine that has been carefully tended to by the gardener or the vine dresser, but um, not, uh, not, 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 n- still not bearing fruit. The unfruitful or unfaithful vine, if you will. And Jesus here asserts, I am the true Israel. What Israel, what God's people failed to do, Jesus says, I do perfectly. I do faithfully. I do truly. So Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then down in verse 5, right, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, and and, and a branch is dependent on the vine, right, or a tree. In our, in, our, in our place here in Tucson, we see trees, we see cacti, right? We, we don't see a lot of vines. There are probably some vines. But imagine you're walking out to your your car and there's a branch on the ground, right, hypothetically, like maybe me, sometimes you step over and think, oh, someday I'll pick that branch up and throw it away and pull some weeds while I'm at it, right? You step over the branch, you get in your car, You you drive off. Normally, I step on the branch because I have mesquite trees with like massive thorns. And so then I get uh, sanctified in the moment a little bit. A little bit, uh, I have some stuff to confess, right? But say I don't step on it, I step over it. And the next day I walk out and all of a sudden, there's like an apple on the branch, right? That's going to catch my attention. That's not, not the way it should be. Even if it was producing the fruit that it actually belongs to that tree, even if it's a mesquite branch and it's laying on the ground and it's still producing fruit, that's, that's not the way it works. That would be unheard of, right? That's that goes against the laws of biology, right? Branches need to be connected to the trees that are connected to the ground when it gets the water and the sap and the life that flows through it and produces the fruit. And so Jesus is saying, apart from me, You are branches and apart from me, you can't produce anything, anything of eternal or lasting value. So Jesus is the vine, the true vine, right? The source. We are the branches meant to cling, to depend on, to uh, have life flowing uh, from the vine through the branches. And then Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser right? And he says that the vine dresser uh, does, does something. In, in verses two and six, look with me there. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, that's the father, the vine dresser, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So we see the father, the vine dresser, doing two things that we need to pause and look at. First, the vine dresser cuts off and throws away what does not belong to the vine. Okay, there's some harsh language here, some intense language used. It's like language of of, of, of judgment, cutting off and burning. And, and I do want this to sit heavily on us in the reality of what is being said here, is that anything giving lip service, any, any pretender, will be exposed. Elsewhere throughout scripture, Jesus uses other images. He talks about sifting, about sorting out. He talks about sheep and those that truly belong to the, the good shepherd and those that don't, the ones that do know his voice. Here, he's referring to the ones that bear fruit, the ones that are clearly uh, connected to, abiding in, finding life from the tree. The, those, those branches belong. But the ones that don't, right, if you went out and you hammered some branches onto a tree, even if those branches had foliage and all kinds of fruit and all kinds of things, it might look beautiful, right, impress whoever you're having over that night for dinner, but eventually it will be exposed. It will start to wither and die. And, And Jesus says the ones that don't bear fruit don't belong. And they will be cut off and thrown away. So, to bring that home for us in our day, and I want to say this, I think in, in our, our church even, we could, we could stand to have this sit heavily in our cultural moment, our cultural context, that kind of cultural Christianity, giving whip service to being a Christian, there for a while, I don't know as much, or it's becoming less, maybe um, less self-serving to be a Christian, But there are times and places where it's good. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian. This helps me. It benefits me to be a Christian. When I was in high school many, many years ago in Arkansas for part of it, it actually was beneficial as a high school student to be a Christian. For many of you students in here, college students, high school, junior high, it, it might not be, right? You might experience more difficulty as a Christian, but, but, but uh, again, where I was, it was, I knew people who were definitely not Christians, but still went to a fellowship of Christian athletes, you know, went to youth group, did stuff like that. It just, it was helpful. And, and um, if that's the case, or in our context, maybe adults, or if it's kind of a good luck charm for some of us, it can be approached as a good luck charm, right? Being a Christian helps my business, being at, being at church just helps me feel better about myself. It helps my family be the way I want my family to look and operate and it's just a good thing kind of like pascal's wager many of us kind of have that approach like well the good outweighs the bad you know what the heck i'll I'll go ahead and do it i'll I'll try this thing but but we're not truly all in jesus says you will be cut off and thrown away the vine dresser the father takes seriously who belongs to his son And then there's something else that he does. He prunes. Have you experienced some pruning this year? There's a kind of pruning that might be what we get in return for things we've done, right? Maybe some, at times, some consequence. Kids, if you're in here right now, uh, your parents' discipline is a form of pruning. It might not feel like it. At the time, it might feel like they're being mean. It might feel like... the discipline is a, is a power play or just they've gotten so old they forgot what it's like to be a kid and they just want to kill your joy. I, let me tell you that I'm in the same boat as your parents. We never thought we would be the Some of the things that come out of our mouths were like, wow, I'm the one now saying that. I never thought I would sound just like my parents did, but I now know a little more. And then we tell ourselves, well, they, they still got it wrong, but you know, I'm, I'm, it's different. No, it's not different parents we're <laughs> we are them now we're our p- parents, but it's discipline, but it can be a form of pruning. One of god's greatest expressions of love to you is godly parents who love Jesus they're not perfect. amen. We are not perfect but but still God uh, has has given you a gift of parents to correct you, to grow you, to help shape you for us is Adults, as we get older, right, we are still, God has given us, though we don't want to remember, he's given us correction and discipline, and sometimes pruning is like that. I've shared some different things about my family over the years, and I have family who have spent time in jail, and, and it is a gift from God that they were put in jail. What they might have done, in some cases, only for a week or a couple of months, had they not gotten put in jail, it might have been for their entire life. And so there's an element of shaping, and, and and some of these family members are followers of Jesus. And it's and they see it as God's severe mercy. <laughs> the hound of heaven pursuing his own, shaping us, correcting us. But also, let me speak to some of us too. Sometimes we get pruned in ways that we don't, we didn't seemingly didn't have anything to do with. Right? It, it's unjust. We di- we're experiencing consequences that we didn't have something to do with. We didn't conjure them up. We didn't start it. Why am I here? Why did this happen to me? Well, why is this happening to us? It seems like the people who were in the wrong are winning. Well, why, God, why? Let me encourage you in this that it is an element of pruning. In the moment, okay, it's not the best thing, f- friends, to tell each other, oh, God's pruning you right now hey, I know you just lost a loved one. I know you just lost a relationship. I know you just lost a job, but we get, sometimes we're not comfortable enough. I think Pastor Marcus has helped us understand this a little little bit more of looking at the face of pain and and sitting in it, and sometimes sitting in it together together. Sometimes again in our culture context we're not comfortable with that. We want to move right on. We just kind of brush it by. Oh, hey, well God works all things together. He'll oh he'll 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 figure it out. He'll oh he's pruning you. What's he have? What's he have down the road for you? And in the moment we just need to be acknowledging this is painful, right? And, and but also now in the moment, let me encourage us too. Um, we're not very good at pruning ourselves. So on some level, it's just helpful to kind of step back and acknowledge. God, you've said in Philippians chapter one that you who began a good work are faithful to bring it, bring it to completion. He says he's forming us into Christ likeness. Sometimes the only thing we can do is step back and say, God, I don't know what you're doing right now and I don't know why you're doing it. And if it were up to me, I would do it very, very differently. But I trust that you're bringing me somewhere. That you're growing me because healthy things grow and, and and I don't know why you're choosing to do it this way but I know that you are so very practically what does that look like what do you do in those moments you are like God why why are you why are we going through this as a church why are we going through this as a country as a nation as a family as people why are we going through these things what do you do in those moments simply abide look at verse four with me jesus says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me that that word abide means to remain or to cling to to rest in okay uh, abide It's again. It's it's not go out and try to do something on your own. It's to cling to, to rest in Jesus. And let me tell us all this honestly here. We are all branches, clinging to something. The question is to what? Are we clinging to the true vine who gives life, who his very self is life, or are we clinging to other things? We're all. You can look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, you're a parasite. All right, all right. Now look back at me. I'm the one who told him to say it, all right? Don't, don't get in a fight. Um, you're a leech. Yeah, you, you get life from something else. That's how God created us to be. It's not because you're a certain type of person. It's because you're a person, right? If you're in this room and you're a human, and you are, you're an image bearer of God. Even that, who we are, our identity is dependent on someone else. We we are our source of life is meant to be given from somewhere else. And we know that intuitively, even if we don't admit it, we find life from somewhere or something else. Another relationship, another person, another activity, uh, how whatever it might be, we are looking for life. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You get life from me. Abide in me. Okay, I, I don't need to spend time helping us figure out how we abide in other things and look for life, whether it's social me- media, whether it's our re- relationship with our, our work, our relationship with our bank account, uh, our relationship with our image, our relationships with other people, right? We, we have all kinds of ways that we abide and look for life elsewhere. Jesus says, abide in me. So what does it look like to abide in Christ, to simply abide in Christ? Um, there's been a, I think the kind of the Christian culture is like a constantly swinging on a pendulum, right? We're like Tarzan on, on a vine, just swinging from one side to the other, banging into trees and rarely getting it right, rarely in the right place. Um, therefore, when I was first growing up and exposed to Christianity, not coming from a Christian home, um, I I was at a youth group and people kept talking about their, their They're quiet times. They're QTs. And I didn't know what any of that was. And QT, the store, didn't exist yet. If it would, I would have probably been excited. I love QT. Um, But QT didn't exist yet. And so I'm just like sitting there in quiet time, quiet. And all these people are talking about it. And normally their eyes would kind of close. Their head would tilt to the side as they use the word quiet time. And I was like, I don't really know what that is. Um, And then I came to find out, oh, it's reading your Bible and praying. And as I said, I was in Arkansas. It was, it, was a, it was a cool thing to do. It was good, right? And you talked about this quiet time. And well, then I've been in different contexts where that's kind of looked down upon. And it's like, oh, it's too religious. Oh, quiet times are too, too st- st- stiff and stuffy. Oh, I haven't had a quiet time in years. I go out and I play disc golf. And I just look at the trees. And that's how I connect with God as if it's an either or, but but outside of God's word and communing with him and talking to him, we're gonna wither. We're gonna dry up. He says, I'm the source of life. You need to come to me for life. So very simply, we open our Bibles. It doesn't need to be religious. It could be a verse. It could be a chapter. There are seasons that different ways of engaging with God and his word are helpful, but there's never a season where it's not helpful to simply hear from him. Uh, One other way, I can just tell you, as parents, let me hopefully demystify this for a minute. Do any of you uh, parents, maybe especially dads, feel like you're, you're, you're failing in shepherding or leading your family? Let me tell you, I'm right there with you. I have friends that I hear what they're doing, and I kind of find myself sinking down in my chair, just like, I don't play the guitar, I don't play the piano, I didn't know that song, I don't do that, I, I don't do that. Um, very early on in our, in our marriage, my wife and I discovered one, one thing that we do do, that we can do, is we pray before we go to bed, um, it's, and this was the people that were pouring into us said, in, encouraged us to it. They're like, hey, your first year of marriage, don't have a PV in your room, and pray. So what we just learned, and we didn't have smartphones, but I didn't have a cell phone, by the way. So I'm not about to bring the, you know, the, the cord through the kitchen and lay there, I didn't have any, what am I gonna do, play with the buttons on it? Um, right, so we didn't have phones and stuff to sit there. And, but it was like, yeah, go to bed, talk to each, and we we'd lay, so we lay, some of were like, cord? Fo- what does the cord have to do with the phone? Nothing anymore, praise God. But we would—it uh, was a good way though. If your brother was, you know, talking to talking to girls too long, and pull on it and be like, "It's my turn," you know, from his bedroom. Um, okay, come back with me. It's simply just say a prayer. And sometimes, no lie, one of us will fall asleep. It's like, hey, I said, "Amen, Amen." Oh, Amen, Amen. Yep, I was—I was just caught up in the third heaven. I'm with you. I was right there. It's you know. But just praying, another way, and our our kids can, is sometimes we will be driving, we've got music on, we're trying to drown people out, people are arguing, and just this habit, simple, mundane, uh, on the way to or from most places, we'll just turn off the music to say, let's pray. Sometimes it's a prayer of confession. (laughs) Sometimes it's a prayer of like, God, help us. Amen. (laughs) But it's like on the way to a sport, home from a sport to school home to a friend's house it's just become really normal and again uh, we don't have family devotionals that are glamorous and good and I kind of shrink back on them and it's not but it's simple it's abiding find what it looks like for you and your family your friends your roommates yourself to just make a habit of talking with your Lord abiding in Him simply abide so how do you know if you're abiding? You obey. Okay, I already used the word earlier, wegalism. Lung, lung, we can be like, uh-oh, now what? Now what do we do this? Jesus very clearly here says, simply obey. In verse nine, look with me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you, com- if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let me kind of summarize it like this. Jesus is saying the Father has loved me and I abide in his love by obeying his commandment. Even to the point of death, right? We see Jesus and his father communing and talking. And Jesus says, right, if there's any other way, father, take this cup from me. The cup of death, shameful death on a cross. Jesus, in, in experiencing the father's full condemnation on sin for ungrateful people. Jesus is like, if there's any other way, take this cup. But then what does he say? Not my will, but your will. Jesus is saying, the father has loved me and I abide in his love by obeying his commandments. And I have loved you, so abide in my love by obeying my commandments. Obeying Jesus's commandments is abiding in his love. Again, in our cultural context, we live in kind of an individualistic, emotionally driven uh, culture. Where we talk about abiding in Jesus, and and we picture uh, some of you again. I don't know. I guess my old man is coming out here. We picture like if like like a Wow Worship CD and a candle, uh, and the lights turned down, right? And, and that's me and Jesus, and that's what it means to abide in Him. Again, if you don't get it, you're fine. You don't need to. You have your own v- version. We'll be laughing at together in 20 years about but it's just me and Jesus and this is abiding and it's just emotional and it's feelings. No, obedience is directly connected to abiding in Jesus, right? If we think it's cold, read on. In verse 11, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, do we? does your mind go to obeying Jesus as cold and joyless? Like, he's a killjoy. All, everyone else out there is at the parties, is doing the thing, is right, doing the next cool thing. They're all having so much fun. They're finding life. They're finding joy. They're doing their thing out there. But God, the killjoy, is like, obey. And we're like, okay, all right, let's head down. Just kind of fine. It's kind of all right. I'll eat my broccoli, you know. No, he knows what's best for us. <laughs> he knows broccoli can be good if it's baked, not steamed, right? <laughs> if you pour cheese on it. <laughs> no, he knows what we need. He knows where sustenance, life, joy will be found. And it's good. It says, I, I know where joy is found and it's full. It's not found out there. That's a candy-coated pill of poison that, like we hear in language in Proverbs, will taste like honey at first, but then eventually be as bitter as wormwood. It'll make you throw up. I, I, I Let me spare you from that. Obey me and you'll find joy. Simply obey. Um, Where am I at here time-wise? All right, I'm gonna, let me share this real quick just to remind us. This idea of of grace-driven obedience. Okay, if you're in the moment right now or ever in your life of struggling, God, are you worth obeying? Do you really love me? Do you really know what's, what's best for me? Look at, look at his love for you. We're told in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then here in this book, this incredible book, we're gonna probably do a book club through it here soon. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I've mentioned it before. I've been walking through it at a snail's pace and it has massively encouraged me. And here's one thing, he's talking about this, um, this, this guy, John Bunyan, and this is what he says. John Bunyan's talking about this book, John, that we're in right now. That was way too many, many Johns, I just said. Okay, here's, what, here's the point. When the apostle John tells us that Jesus loved his own to the end, John is pulling back the veil to allow us to peer into the depths of who Jesus is. His heart for his own is not like an arrow shot quickly, but soon falling to the ground. Or a runner quick out of the gate, soon slowing and faltering. His heart is an avalanche gathering momentum with time, a wildfire growing in intensity as it spreads. God's love for you never falters, never fails. It continues to pick up steam. If you're at a season in your Christian walk, or perhaps you're, you're, you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're wondering, is he gonna be like every other relationship that starts out sweet with the honeymoon and ends in divorce? Ends in a breakup. Ends in infidelity and dishonesty and pain. No, the answer is no. We see that his love begins sweet and only gets sweeter. There's this incredible image that that, that is our our uh, the cross is big enough early on because our understanding of our own sin and our need for God's forgiveness and then his forgiveness is right here. And the way the Christian life looks is as life goes on, our understanding of our depravity, our brokenness is even greater and our understanding of his goodness and his love is even greater. So our understanding of his provision in the cross grows and grows and grows as life goes on. We obey God because he calls us friend. We obey because he demonstrates his love for us by laying his life down for us. Now, how do we obey? Simply love. In verse 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? By laying down his rights, by laying down his life. Verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Let me bring us home with this. Many in the world around us want to love but don't want Christ, right? We see it in, in, again, in our kind of cultural moment, especially in Tucson, if you were um, blessed like me to grow up around some maybe more like free-spirited, granola types, right? You see this effort to love. Um, One of the most visceral kind of harsh interactions I ever had was in Sedona. This person, and it was like this veneer of kindness, of you know, oh, it's all just copacetic and lovely and peaceful and, right, as long as we're both wearing hemp necklaces around our necks. It should all just be easy and peaceful and kind together. Some of you aren't laughing. I'm sorry if I'm offending you <laughs> with this, but um, it's just, it, it's, and it's, it, it's, I don't mean to, m- again, I have family members. I, I, I've experienced this kind of world. I've seen the same people that have incense and sage burning in our house, chucking ashtrays across the house and breaking it against the wall. Because disconnected from the one who is love we are unable to fully and truly love. It will never work. On the flip side, Christian, some of us want Christ without love. I don't, I don't know if you heard me. Let me say it again. Some of us, Christians, want Christ without love. We want to skip past the things that he says about loving God, maybe we wanna stop there and not understand how that flows out with loving our neighbors. We wanna hear Jesus say love others, but not in the way where he says love in the same way I have loved you. When you didn't deserve it, when you mocked me, when you, when you called me out on Facebook, when you turned your back on me, when you left me, when you fled from me, as I have loved you, if you abide in me, you obey my commandment to love, to love fully, to love self-sacrificially, to love radically. Church, what do we do in this broken place we're in? We love. What does it look like? It's messy. It's difficult. It's sometimes it's painful. It's sometimes we look stupid. All right, there was uh, someone that I had a broken relationship with and I reached out to them a number of months after that was kind of broken. I just thought, you know, I just, I read this. I was convicted. I feel like I, I, I'd love to meet if you want to. I don't, I, I don't really know what more needs to be said, but I just, I, I, I felt led and I've been praying and you've been coming to mind every time. And can we meet? And the email was like, I don't really know what you're... S- it just, I felt dumb. <laughs> and then we did meet and I felt d- dumber <laughs> and more broken. And it was just like, well, this is difficult. Uh, and I don't know that I got it perfectly right. But, but I think the Lord is wanting to prune me and, and grow me and really taking his commandments seriously. We're told in 1 John chapter 4 that if we say we love god but don't love our brother we're liars and the truth is not in us so what do we do we look to jesus who gave himself for us and he's calling us to simply abide to simply obey and to simply love let's pray as we respond to him father We need you. We love you. Lord, we're sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for how we have gotten it wrong, for how we've tried to do it our way. We've tried to abide in all kinds of other things to find life. Lord, we say that we're clinging to you, but we're not obeying you. Lord, we say we love you, but we don't love the people whom you love. Even right now, Holy Spirit, I don't know what you want to do in each of us, but I pray that c- collectively, corporately, you will shape us, that we will be set, as- set apart, that we will be distinct, that people will know we're yours by our love. In Christ's name, amen.